Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. A crow flies straight, a perfect line. Hey, Jonathan, what was the last thing you heard me say? Um, That right there. Okay. Sorry, I was Good just to talking hear your about... Good your voice, Brian. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. I accidentally, I accidentally hit mute a minute ago, but, but, I mean, how embarrassing is it to score two points? against your rival. I mean, it's your home place. You've got one loss on the season, playoff, possible playoff implications. We knew that wasn't going to happen anyway, but how did it make you feel last night being a Seminole fan, or a Seminole fan, being able to watch that embarrassing, humiliating butt-kicking in the swamp? Man, I'll tell you what. That game last night, was one of the most had easily one of the most embarrassing offensive performances I'd ever seen. Um, <laughs> and my goodness, that was bad. I, I loved every second of it. For the rivalry, we had a lot of kids at that game, and believe it or not, there were actually some kids who were there as uh, recruits for Florida that decided that they were going to wear some Florida State gear onto the field. Uh, um, and from what I heard, there, there wasn't uh, a lot of pleasantries extended to them when they did that between them and the fan base. And I, it's just, what a game. I loved every second of it. It's phenomenal. Back-to-back-to-back state champs. We even got the belt running around the locker room now. I mean, Gainesville, get your game up. Come on now. Let's hear about how soft Florida State is. I want everybody in the world to start talking about how soft Florida State is. When year in, year out, we smack the big dog of the SEC. Well, I wouldn't say big dog of the SEC. Florida has been down a long time now. Come on, John. Well, I wouldn't say a long time. I wouldn't say a long time. But we knew what was going to happen in that game. That was no surprise, was it? I mean, we, 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 we talked about this for a long time, that Florida's offense, you know, I mean, it's bad. You know, at least Auburn got a few first downs, a touchdown, a couple field goals last night. At least they they moved the ball a little bit. You know, I didn't have a paper bag over my head or anything like I would if I had been in Gainesville. Yeah, their offense was really inept. Um, They they weren't able to move the ball through the air at all. Treon looked terrible. Um, 
and that's what you get for deciding to flip on Florida State last minute. I'm sorry, Treon, but, I mean, you, you, you're earning this one, Bubba. Um, and, I mean, they weren't able to run the football all too well either. I mean, they had, they had their moments of success, don't get me wrong. And Jake McGee is a very good tight end. Uh, let me put that out there, uh, the graduate transfer from Virginia. He played very well last night for Florida as well. But offensively, they're a disaster. And I don't know if Will Greer would have made as much of a difference as some Florida fans have said, because their offensive line's not very good, but receivers aren't getting separation. And when your best receiver in Demarcus Robinson, according to the Gators' official Twitter account, chose to not play in that game, I think you've got a couple more issues than we, than we also realize offensively. I mean, Jim McElwain's got to figure something out there because this has now become a reoccurring issue. You know, Muschamp had this problem, and McElwain, everybody thought he was going to solve it. That old Miss game was a mirage, y'all. That was a mirage. Yeah, that was just, just a hot night, and, and people call it the quarterback whisperer and all this. Come on. Get out of here. The bottom line is Florida's offense. They have offensive line issues. If you don't have a quarterback, it shows up. Look at the Iron Bowl last night. It's all about the quarterback play. Everything is. The difference between Florida State and Florida, I think, are more successful recruiting classes over the past five years. But the quarterback, even, you know, with your quarterback being out, you still, your backup's good enough. You're deep at quarterback. You have people transferring out because it was so deep. Florida doesn't have that luxury, Jonathan. They, their guy got caught juicing up. You know, that's probably why they, they played over their head the first few games. But then they started playing people that couldn't beat them, really, and got lucky against Tennessee, barely beat Vanderbilt, barely beat Florida Atlantic. And, and you know, it's not – I mean, Alabama. Now, I saw that defense in person last night, Jonathan. What's Florida going to do against Alabama? I mean, we, we know Florida State's got a good defense, but it's not on Alabama's level this year. But how's Florida going to get a first down against Alabama? Alabama's going to be nice and let them have one. Uh, I mean, that, I, <laughs> uh, that's all I like to say. I mean, you know, they're, they're going to have to take a couple plays off, you know, get get a water break, throw some force. Because that defense, that, that defense might be on the field for a little bit. Um, because, I mean, Auburn defensively is solid, but I think we, and I don't, and it's weird how to read this. I, I do want to say it is a little weird on how to read this because, we all of a sudden we were able to run the ball down their throat, but I have a feeling it came at a time when that defense had quit. I think that defense quit yep. at a certain point, and that's why we sort of had a lot of success running the football. But I still believe, looking at it, that you know you can run the ball on them. Uh, their secondary is not the greatest secondary in the nation. I think we did prove that last night. Yeah, and I think they did quit. I think, I think once you, uh, I think once you you see us on defense, you know, if you're a defensive guy, you're a warrior, right? I mean, that's really what mm-hmm. you are. You're out there, you're a gladiator, getting your throwing your body out there. Once you see your offense has no shot, you got to pack it in because you know, you know you've lost that game, and maybe you can play against Alabama and get lucky, and they turn the ball over twelve times, and you can do it. But as far as the Florida State game goes, they quit. I mean, the fans quit in the stadium. And I think that's when Florida State was able just to really have their way. Florida's got a good defense, Johnson. I mean, they do. They they do have a very good defense. But you can't be on the field the entire game and and expect to 
to be productive in the fourth quarter. Ask Auburn. I mean, Auburn can hold up a little bit against Alabama, but in that fourth quarter, if Florida State makes you hit your knees early, what, what do you think Henry's going to do to him? I mean, Cook's a great – I mean, he's great too, but it's going to be back-to-back weeks. Your defense is playing against a very physical type of offense. And you have Florida State, a rival game, and now you play Alabama. And I don't know, Florida's going to be a 9-3 and three team. Is that going to be a success for them? Because, you know, it, what, if you just said at the start of the season, Florida was going to be 9-3, and three, I'd have called you a liar. You were, you were crazy, you know. But 9-3 mm-hmm. and three right now has got to be a disappointment to these guys after you started the way you did. And let's, 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 let's admit it, Jonathan, the East is pretty bad this year. Yeah, the SEC East has got to be one of the worst divisions in college football, especially in the Power Five conferences. I mean, it's 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 really bad. And for Florida, yeah, I mean, you're gonna Alabama most likely is gonna score drug these guys. So we're looking at a Florida team that's gonna be ten and three, going to a bowl game against a competent opponent. Okay, this isn't like last year when they played East Carolina. This year they're probably gonna get somebody out of the Big Ten, like Michigan. Okay, they're probably going to lose that game. All right, we're talking about a t- you know at the end of the at the end of the day we're going to be talking about a Florida team that's ten and four, and you know Florida is going to say well we won ten games, and everybody else is going to say yeah but who'd you beat? I mean really who'd you beat? Oh yeah you upset Ole Miss. I'm going to go back to calling that an upset. That was an upset. All right, you know but you know it's like oh you beat Georgia. Congratulations, they scored thirteen points on Georgia Tech. Uh, you know they scored twenty on Georgia Southern. You know, congratulations. Well, we yeah. beat Vanderbilt. Really? I mean, you know, that that's what we're looking at. So, it's a 10-win season that looks pretty but was really ugly. Yeah, and and it's ugly. And you got to go back to the drawing board. And if you're Florida, we're about to get off the Florida game. We'll preview some other games. But you got to worry about your offensive line, too, for next year. Even though you get a quarterback or whatever, I'm still not – not real sold on the depth of the Florida offensive line. I, I just, I think this year was was lightning in a bottle in a way. They played the right teams at the right time, and you put them over in the West. Those guys are probably Auburn right now. They're six and six. If you brought Florida into Jordan Air Stadium yesterday, we'd have gave them a butt kicking too. I think. I mean, that's and we're the last team in the West, and this is we're talking about the first team in the East right now. Um, but it's just one of those things. And speaking of Georgia, you know, you talked about beating Georgia Tech. Mark Rick in the in the season with a nine and three record, and you know, we thought Les Miles was going to be fired. The LSU actually kept him. But the big news out of Athens today is Georgia has fired Mark Rick. And my my question to you is thoughts, and then who do they who do they go to 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 replace a legend like this? Mark Rick's a, a good coach, and I think it's going to kill their recruiting job. Yeah, I, I, you know, one of the big things with Rick was he was really close to that uh, quarterback commit, Jacob Eason. And it was thought, you know, essentially the belief was, you know, until Eason's on campus, Rick's not going anywhere. Uh, which, I mean, you and I both know is shady recruiting, but that's, that's nothing new for college football. I don't know where you go from here if you're Georgia. I mean, obviously, Kirby Smart is somebody whose name is starting to get mentioned, but I think South Carolina might have an inside track on him. And at the end of the day, Kirby Smart knows Nick Saban's got, what, maybe another four or five years? I mean, we we forget Nick Saban's in his 60s. You know, he he can't coach forever. So Kirby Smart might wind up holding out for that job. 
So, I mean, and we saw what happened with Virginia Tech. They made a great hire in Justin Fuente, the head coach of Memphis. I thought that was a phenomenal hire. And I think you just took one of the best coaches off the market. I, I really I really don't know where Georgia can go. I mean, you're, you're going to go DJ Durkin? Uh, are you going to call Chip Kelly? Because from every, all the reports are coming out that Chip Kelly is, is going to be out of Philly at the end of the year. Um, I mean, what, how would you feel about Chip Kelly being in Georgia? Because I don't know if that's necessarily a great fit. Well, I don't either. I think his offense is made for the West Coast. And, and you even see Gus Malzahn runs a physical style of his offense, a different kind of thing, and it's tough in the SEC. And I don't know. Chip Kelly playing in the SEC is, is a little different. And I think Auburn showed in the national title game against us probably the best Chip Kelly offense he had and shut it down just about. So I don't think that's where you go, but I'm I'm looking at Kirby Smart, but I'm I'm wondering and, and I'm not saying he's we'll get Sonya on in a second. I'm trying to get this studio to work with and Sonya are waiting, but I just I don't know if Kirby Smart's a head coach. We don't know. That's a gamble. You're letting go of a coach that has a proven track record of winning games at least, but Kirby Smart's that that coach that you don't know, he's a defensive-minded coach. And I just – I don't know how that's going to fit at Georgia, honestly, Jonathan. And he's not proven. That's what bothers me. If they if they put all their eggs in the Kirby Smart basket, I'm going to scratch my head a little bit and wonder why not just make Pruitt your head coach. You know, what's going to happen to Pruitt, the defensive coordinator there? That's, that's a question I ask myself because do you think the new coach is going to come in and keep Jeremy Pruitt? I think he's a phenomenal defensive coordinator. But where's he going to go? If Kirby Smart comes to Alabama, does Pruitt take a lateral move to go back to Alabama as a D.C.? I'd be a smart move for Pruitt to do that if he's given the opportunity. And, I mean, if Kirby Smart's the head coach, who's to say Kirby Smart doesn't tell Jeremy, hey, Jeremy, I know you, I like you, please stay. You know what I mean? And I think you have a point there with Kirby Smart and being an unproven head coach. You're right. You're 100% correct. He's an unproven head coach. The problem is the big schools, for you to be a proven head coach, it's not just to have had, they have been a head coach somewhere. They kind of want you to be a head coach somewhere big. So, I mean, that's where if you're Georgia, we need to find out what they're doing. Are they trying to keep the status quo and, get, and, and compete, or are they ready to go through a little bit of a couple down years for a full rebuild? We've got to figure it out. Because if they're willing to say, you know, okay, we'll take a couple down years knowing that something big might come off in the long run, then they might take a shot on a Kirby Smart or a Dino Babers from Bowling Green. But if if they're not willing to do that, I mean, their options are very limited. You know, we're talking Chip Kelly. We're talking Bill O'Brien uh, as, as, as another one out there who it sounds like apparently he wants to leave the Houston Texans. Um, I would too. I, I don't. I mean, even though they won today, it's not like they look good doing it. Um, maybe you know, Charlie Strong says he doesn't want to leave Texas, but I don't honestly believe Texas wants him. So it might be best for him to leave. Um, and then I, I start going to I'm gonna tell you why I think they did it today. The season's over. They had to move quick because South Carolina was about to, I think, make an offer to Kirby Smart. And it was like, you know, if nobody's offering in the SEC, but South Carolina, Kirby's going to take it. But now Georgia becomes available. I think now they want to throw their name in there. 
and and make sure they don't miss out on Kirby Smart. Am I crazy to think that way or? Not at all. Not at all. That that make, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and it was probably somebody told somebody that South Carolina kicked Rick the offer, like you're saying. And George is like, well, you know what? If we're gonna make a move, we better make a move now. Um, and I mean, if you're Georgia, it just it stuns me. And I get it. You're bored. It's the whole Andy Reid thing. Andy Reid wasn't fired because he was a bad coach for Philadelphia. He was fired because he got stale. Because people got bored with him. They expected more success than what he would offer. And that's just human nature. You know what I mean? I mean, we, still we a former, like too. Yeah, oh, former in the same way. Well. Yep, same exact thing. Let's hear what Sonia's got to say about Coach Mark Riggs. Saban Sonia said he was flabbergasted at, at Georgia getting rid of him and, and wants to know what's happening in the world of coaching right now for a coach to win nine games and get fired. It's just, it does kind of make you stop and pause a little bit and shake your head wondering, what is Georgia wanting right now? Nine win season with with your best running back out for a lot of the season, having a new quarterback, a new offensive coordinator, nine and three is not that bad. And welcome, by the way. No, not at all. What's going on is that fans are being, um, they have too much influence, and boosters with money have too much influence. And Georgia's problem is they're upset that they hadn't gone that far in postseason plays. You know, they, they made it. I'm like, you made it to the SEC, uh, SEC championship game. You lost to Bama. You've been bowling, as far as I can recall, every season. So, to me, it's just, it's, it's, I'm like Coach uh, Saban, it's, it's just stupid. But I want to address something before we get more into that. I have one small problem with the statement Jonathan made, as far as the SEC East being the worst in college football. Maybe you haven't taken a look at the Big Ten West and also the ACC. Um, got- I've taken a look at the A. Hold on, I've taken a look at the ACC. I, I take <laughs> North Carolina over any team you spitting at me, and I look at the Big Ten West. I take Iowa over any team you spitting at me. Hold on, hold I mean, on, come on, hold on now. South Carolina uh, beat. Calm down, South, with South, Carolina beat. <laughs> hold on, man. South, South Carolina beat North Carolina now, didn't they? Well, I know that, but I'm saying if you look at that conference top to bottom. Well, maybe if you let me finish my statement, you would understand what I was saying. Let's do that first, okay? Calm down. Now, before you started talking about the SEC East and how bad they are, because they are bad, let's take a look at some of these other records. Boston College, 0-8. Wake Forest, 1-7. Syracuse, 2-6. That's in-conference way. Overall, 3-9, 3-9, 4-8. Big Ten Conference, let's take a look at them, the West Division. Two and ten, five and seven, five and seven, three and nine, four and eight. So there are some teams, there are some, some other divisions that are worse than the SEC East. I'm just saying, let's not call them the worst in college football when there are some. In Kansas, Kansas and Boston College did not win one game. That is sad. That is very, very sad. When you look at the SEC East, Three and nine is the worst record. Two five and sevens, one four and eight, an eight and four, a nine and three, and a ten and two. So I just wanted to address that. But back to Rick. Going on Mark Rick, first of all, I'm trying to figure out who's got the inside source that knows that Kirby Smart is going to UGA. 
Is, is there was there like some news announcement that we missed or something? I know there was out. I mean, last week he was going to South no. Carolina. He's going to UGA. No, it was no, no. I, I was I was saying that the reason the timing I think for Georgia would be that I was trying to make a. Uh, trying to get into Georgia's head to see what they were trying to do, and I think it was because South Carolina has under the table made a deal or an offer to Kirby Smart. They want to make sure if they if Car- Kirby Smart is their guy, they can't drag their feet. That's what I was thinking. I can't think of another coach out there that they would dump Mark Rick for right now, unless it was someone like Kirby Smart. But again, Kirby Smart doesn't have a day of coaching experience, head coaching experience, and I think Georgia would be making a big mistake to go that route. Oh, definitely. The only way I see anybody other than um, – because there are some other some other OCs and DCs that are, that are making a name for themselves that are just not well known. But one thing that uh, we were talking about with another in a, another group um, of friends was uh, if, if Chip Kelly is gone, I could see UGA going after him because UGA's biggest problem is their O-line. They've never had a problem on D. It's that offense. And for all the players that have come out of UGA and gone to the NFL – it makes no sense that UGA hasn't had, you know, that, that national championship or, or made it even further than they've gone. So, to me, it's, it's wide open. And I think this past week has, has taught us about speculating on open coaching, open coaching positions and who's going to go where. Because first, everybody was so focused on Les, nobody really thought about Rick. Everybody was expecting the Les Miles announcement. Guess who it really was? It was Rick. And then when you look at well, that uh, Jimbo, Twitter and a, Jimbo turned them everybody's down. firing, but I mean Purdue fired their coaches. They fired their entire um, coordinators. Minnesota got rid of two coaches. Yeah, Minnesota got rid of two coaches. Rutgers got rid of two coaches. It's it's just I think this is going to be the silly season for coaching right now for coaching positions. There's so many open ones, and there are some candidates that people other people hadn't heard of, but these schools are looking at because you're not going to get a really big name because most of them are settled. They you know they're, they're they are where they're going to be. Yeah, and that's, you know, Mark Rick, though. And I'm going to tell you this about Mark Rick. One, one thing that's going to hurt Georgia right now, and I don't care if you bring in Kirby Smart, a name that, that's known by recruits, is loyalty. With recruits these days, they're all about developing a relationship with these coaches. and it's. But I think Georgia may have done this early enough to get a few months away for this emotion to die down. Had this happened two weeks before signing day, we would have a bigger issue. But – the the relationship that Rick's built with these recruits and these families, I don't think these boosters that that want to be Alabama every year and win a championship or be playing for it, they don't realize what's about what's at stake. Georgia, this is the first year in a long time they were actually could dethrone Alabama from being the number one ranked recruiting team. I mean, this was a team building a lot of momentum, and now these players are about to go to the rivals: Auburn, Alabama, Florida. Florida State, yep. any place like that, I think Georgia's in trouble, guys. I mean, this was a dumb – and her, hold on, let me go back. I've always been against Mark Rick in a way, and you know that. We've always done, you know, talked about Mark Rick and made fun of him and everything. But it, it's it's the knee-jerk reaction of you get blown out by Alabama. I think it, when Alabama beat Georgia, they decided they were going to get rid of him. When, when Alabama beat LSU, LSU wanted – Last miles gone, but the fans and the outcry, Jimbo Fisher saying no, kind of kept it. I mean, what's going on with college yep. football that, that that these coaches can be fired after a nine-win season? I just don't understand it. I don't. I really what don't. What have you done for me lately? Yeah, it's yeah, too I'm much. Six, six right now, and I, I'm, I'm like, I'm giving Gus more time. I mean, I don't want to start over again and start trying to rebuild a team. We're six and six. Let's build off that, get a quarterback, and move on. 
if you fire Gus Malzahn right now, I'm going to find another team to pull for because I'm sick of this this musical chair quarterback system here. I mean, I mean, your coaching system is just stupid. And Nick Saban, Sonia, has put a lot of pressure on the SEC coaches, man. It's 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 unbelievable the pressure that's on every team that's trying to win a championship. It's like beat Bama's a standard. Beat if you can beat Bama, then you've accomplished something. And that it kind of goes back to something that we were talking about last night. And um, I was telling you about this earlier. How after the game on the Iron Bowl thread, we had a couple of Ohio State fans come on, and they were you know all upset, blah blah blah. And we're just kind of like, what? How does Bama have anything to do with the fact that your team is not in the playoffs? What did, we hadn't seen you guys since January. Bama's been playing their schedule. Nobody's been thinking about you guys. You have your own schedule. But that's the fan mindset. And what's going on is these fans are becoming a lot more vocal. They're talking and they get hyped up on emotions. And these people, you know, going back to that knee-jerk reaction, yeah, it's a knee-jerk reaction, but there should be somebody. If, you're, if you've got all of these people in your administration, there should be somebody with enough common sense to sit down and say, okay, wait a minute. While you're looking at the things that he hasn't done, let's look at the stuff that he has brought in. Let's look at these recruiting classes. And, and one thing I'm looking for is who's going to be the first to poach because UGA is wide open now. When a coach is gone, you know, those recruits can decommit. So I'm pretty sure there are some phone lines burning up. But this is what fans don't understand. They always look at the here and now. And, and Jonathan said it before, what have you done for me lately? But they don't look back and say, okay, when Saban left, where was LSU? What has Les done since he's come to LSU? LSU has perennially, since Les has been there, been in the top team talk, always in the talk for a national championship, you know, always up there. And some LSU fans, including a few that we know personally, are just really not satisfied. You know, they're not satisfied until they beat Bama. They're not satisfied until they have a national championship or they're going to one. But you're not really helping because what's going to happen when that person leaves, to me, my philosophy is better the devil I know than the devil I don't. And if you're going to be looking for a coach, you know what I'm saying? It's like better the devil I know than the one I don't. So I would rather keep him and work in the background, kind of like what Spurrier was doing with um, South Carolina before he announced his his retirement. He had let them know two years ago that he was looking to retire in the next two years. So that gave South Carolina two years to look for somebody else to take his place. Now, it's not his fault they dragged his feet, but Spurrier knew enough I don't, I'm not into this. I can't take, you know, I can't leave this team. I can't do this. His heart's just not in it. He's gone. So he had enough common sense to step back and let, you know, leave the door open for somebody else. But Spurrier is 60, 70, you know, however old he is. So you've got all of these, these, these fans thinking that they're going to turn around and get the next hot coach. It doesn't work like that. All you're going to do is set your football program back two or three years. Let's look at Tennessee. Tennessee is a perfect example. You're going to be forever yep. trying to catch back up. And then the next thing you're going to be saying yep. is, why did we ever let him go? It's just yep. stupid. I see, you know, with with Auburn, I see, you know, I look back since Gus Malzahn's come to Auburn, I really see the recruiting's been consistently in the top seven year in and year out. And that's how you win championships is by recruiting. I mean, Gus Malzahn is a, is a coach that's kind of struggled the last couple of years, but a, a team that's been decimated with people leaving for the NFL and, and injuries, and, and also one thing that people forget, like Les Miles and Gus Miles, like Gus is a micromanager. He's trying to 
rid himself of that title and let Brett Lashley call the plays. There's some growing pains there with the quarterbacks and the play calling. Les Miles, all he has to do is hire an offensive coordinator that knows what he's doing, that can develop quarterbacks. The defense is going to be fine at LSU. We know that. That's, that's just one thing it's going to be. But Mark Rick, the same thing. He's not a bad coach. He's just not able to hire the right coordinators like Saban's been able to. Like Saban can lose a coordinator and and everything be fine. Jimbo can lose somebody and everything be fine. But it's, it's, it's just like these guys are having bad luck. Will Muschamp couldn't find an offensive coordinator to save his life. And that's what cost him his head coaching job. You're only as good as your coordinators as a head coach, guys. We all know that. And, and the next Georgia coach, unless he has the ability to hire and be able to, to know who's going to be the, the next best thing in offense. See, see, Sonia and Jonathan, I think the problem is is we're not – these coaches aren't going after, you know what I mean, unknown unknown people. you got to go to these smaller colleges in a way and get some of these hungry guys that want to be in the SEC, that want to work and want to make a name for themselves. I think that's where a lot of coaches are going wrong right now. You're trying to get a proven name, but it doesn't always work just because the name's proven. What do you think about that, Sonia? Why not go after somebody – is hungry that wants to win because I remember a time Gus Malzahn was a very hungry coach and and look look at the the interest he made in the college football. Well, most ADs, at least from my experience, and, and having family that works in education and sports education, like my uncle who was a, a coach at JSU, they keep a list like they they track certain up and coming coaches. You know, you're, you, everybody wants that name coach, but when certain schools, you know, you're not going to get it. So you have to keep track of certain coaches and certain coordinators so you can catch up with it. I mean, you know, my nephew is a coach, so, of course, he, he knows about it. But people, when you don't understand how it works on the other side, a fan can sit here and say, okay, we haven't won, we haven't beat Alabama, we haven't beat so-and-so, we hadn't been to, uh, to this game, or we hadn't been to this bowl, or we had, we're not in the Final Four, whatever. They can sit there and complain about everything. But they have no idea what it takes to get that right person, because you've got to have a person that can develop, that can recruit. You know, you've got all teams, all schools have different different criteria for their, their OCs and their coaches. So you're looking at one side. You don't see what all is involved. And you also have to understand, just because you're looking at that coach and you have your eye on it, don't think that there aren't ten other teams with their eye on that coach. And a lot of the older coaches who, the legends like the Sabins and the Spurriers and the Petrinos and all, you know, all those guys, they're getting older now. So they're going to be retiring and spending time with their family. So that's, that's when you bring up the, uh, what's his name at TTU, Cliff Kingsbury? Is that it? He's yeah. one to watch. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, we've got this, this young crop of, of great coaches or could be great coaches coming up. Look at, look at Baby Beamer. Yeah. But you've got to, you know, you've got to give them time. And people just expect, it's like instant gratification. We hired this coach, so we should go to the national championship this year. Not everybody can be a Jim McElwain. You know, you're not, it's yeah. not going to happen all the time. So it's like, I think what, 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 what's going on is the, fan, the fans and the fan bases have become a little too involved and arrogant and have a little bit too much verbal power. And they're not understanding the reality. And the reality is you're never going to get who you think you are. So you have to have that, that you know, backup list and hope that person is the right person. Yeah. You could have a person that looks great on paper, but you bring them in, they don't get along with anybody. So what are you going to do, keep them just to get some wins, knowing that you could lose all of that? That's, that's a good a point. That, that's a good point. Yeah, a lot goes into it. People need to understand coaching, 
looking for a coach or hiring a coach, and, and take it from me, like I said, I've got five family members in coaching, professional and college. It's not what you think it is. It's a lot different than applying for a job at Walmart somewhere or a bank or some Fortune 500 company. It's not the same. Yeah, we'll hold right there. We're going to take a call from the 248 area code. You're on way of sports. Is it Dale? This is Dale Poppy. How you all doing? I've been, it's been interesting listening in on your conversation the last 20 minutes. There are a lot, oh, of, good good, names, a lot of good concepts. Yeah, thanks for joining us up in there. Are you from Boise, Idaho? Oh, I'm a Boise State fan. I'm calling in from Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. Okay, I just saw your picture with those Boise State cheerleaders, man. Hats off to you. <laughs> yeah, my wife my wife wasn't too, thr- too thrilled when I posted that when I flew out there for the game. You know, it's, it's interesting not. listening to you. What's that? I said, I bet. Yeah, 29 years of marriage, she got to get over that. that. Yeah, yeah, especially when they're 19 years old like that, you know. <laughs> we won't get too far into that. Uh, you know, I want to. You know, one of the things I was thinking about when we were talking today was just that. Just, just right along with what Sonia was talking about. You know, and Sonia, my my daughter's name is Sonia, but we spell it different. Is she still with us? Yeah, she's here. I just muted two people right quick just to bring them in, so it makes the reception better, makes the clarity better. Well, if it's bad, I can always take off my headset, but I should sound okay, don't I? Oh, you're good. Yeah, you sound good. Good. You know, one of the things that uh, it does, fan bases can destroy a football team. You know, um, some of you might be wondering, you know, how is a guy that's living in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, a fan of Boise State? It's kind of life when you're an old old guy kind of takes you along the ways, you know, I was – I'm a youper by birth, and that means I was born in the UP in the snow, snowy uh, lake-surrounded peninsula of Upper Michigan. And not though long before the term of Wal- Walmart Wolverine, I kind of grew up in a Wolverine household. However, life ended up taking me out to Idaho, where I played high school football for Dirk Cutter. I remember the first time. Do you guys know who Dirk Cutter is? You better. I do. You know, in, especially when he was the offensive coordinator at Atlanta for a long time. Where's he at now? See, Jacksonville. Where's he at, Jonathan? I think he's down in Tampa taking care of my boy, Jameis. That's right. Ah, that's right. well, that that explains that explains his performance today. Uh, <laughs> as, as somebody <laughs> that you know was only only a couple years younger than his head football coach when I moved out from Michigan to Idaho. Um, one of the things I was first amazed by was number one how small and young he was I didn't even realize he was the coach when I showed up for the first uh, about a tryouts and things like that and then when we got into two a days coming out of Michigan uh, division one football I kind of laughed they said when are we going to start working out coach <laughs> you know I got to break the sweat here but but Dirk was a good coach I played with Merrill Hodge you guys I'm sure you know who Merrill Hodge is but you probably don't know who Marty Hodge was which was his brother um, we won the very first state championship for that young school up in Pocatello, Idaho. But from there, you know, as life passed on and years went by, and I started raising a family and moved back and forth with my wife and kids from Idaho to Michigan a couple times. You know, next thing I know, Dirk Cutter, my high school football coach, is now the head coach at Boise State. But that was, you know, that wasn't the, the turning point when I really started paying attention to Boise State. Besides hating them when I went to Idaho State, I played football at Idaho State. Um, 
it was when I watched a game when I was back here in Michigan between Wisconsin and Boise State in uh, 1997 and watched Big Ten officials steal a win from Boise State. Boise State had stopped Wisconsin on a fourth and goal from their own three. And the Big Ten officials gave them a fifth down. And so I kind of like, this is going to be my, I'm going to, I want to watch this. I mean, who's this school that can come in here that I used to play football against when I was in Big Sky? And here they are taking, you know, a Big Ten school to the limit. And then I learned the culture and got to know the fan base. It's kind of like, you know, if you ever go to a game against VTech, and I, I don't mean to talk too much, but that's what I do for a living, um, you know, you kind of you kind of become endeared to a school and, like VTech because of their fans. You know, when I when I went out to D.C. to watch the Boise State VTech game back in 2010, I became an instant Hokie fan because of their fans. But, you know, you look at Frank Beamer, you know, finally retiring, which is, you know, we get up an old, get up an age we don't have the energy we used to. That's why I'm saying right now, the smartest move, you mark my words, you put this down, books, we come back and talk about this five years from now. The smartest move that Georgia can make today before somebody beats them to it is to go get Mike Stanford up at Notre Dame. And you're probably going to think I'm biased in that, but what do you guys know about Mike Stanford? Not much, except he's a good offensive coordinator. Yeah, he was the quarterback coach under Jim Harbaugh at Stanford. And then he became the when, – when Harbaugh left for the NFL, he became the assistant offensive coordinator at Stanford. And then two years ago, when Coach Pete left for Washington, Coach Harson brought him in as the OC at Boise State. And I'll tell you the one thing about, about – you know, he looks young. If you look him up online right now, you see a picture of him, you're going to think, man, this guy's just a kid. He's not. He, he's not. He just looks young. But I'll tell you what, he he saved Boise State's football season last year. Last year I was expecting, I thought if we do 8-5, and five, that's perfect. Considering we just went 8-5 and five the year before with Coach Pete and the disastrous offense that Coach Prince had put in, you know, for the two years previous to that. You know, I just I just couldn't imagine that we do what we did. But, you know, the way he saved after the, the Air Force game loss, he saved our quarterback. He he brought that offense together. And then you watch, and you go back and look at that record. If you, di- if you didn't watch all those games, you know, there was a lot of times Boise State's offense or the other team's offense was just scoring in bunches. You know, the game uh, last year in Albuquerque, I mean – and we were down 21 points at halftime. And it wasn't like Albuquerque said, like New Mexico stopped scoring in the second half. We just had to outscore them. And Sanford has this way of, of being able to read a defense in, in, in game and change his game plan to adjust to what's being given to him. You seen it last night uh, against Sanford. You know what I mean? And, it, and it, uh, he, the guy is a genius offensively. And the other part of it that you don't know is he's one hell of a recruiter. You know, Boise State didn't have that great year that their fans are just kind of like Bama fans and other Georgia fans, anybody else that thinks they have an elite program and who strive to have an elite program. But every year we should be, you know, like it's Kellen Moore every year, you know what I mean? And that's not reality. You know, a lot of things have to go your way. A lot of injuries have to be avoided, you know. And, you know, in certainly for – for a team like Boise State, where you're playing at a high level for for a small school, 
and you don't get the big recruits, you got to have a couple two stars rise up to be five stars. Doug Martin, you know, kind of mentioned, throw a name out yep. there if you're a Tampa fan, you know. And they do take the ball out of Doug's hands today. Uh, well, I sit. mean, Doug is only playing good because he's in a contract here. And it's funny you bring up Mike Sanford. I will say that because he is being looked at for a head coaching job, actually. It's uh, the University of Virginia, believe it or not, is looking. Oh, uh, they're, they're doing serious contemplation on hiring him as their next head coach, making him the youngest head coach at the age of 33 in college football. Yeah, he might be the youngest head foot, football coach next year at 33, but he's not the youngest head co- head football coach. And I, I posted on your on your Facebook uh, wall uh, fan page there, I posted a video, and it's a tradition with me and my sons that we go to uh, the Michigan State Championship Games at Ford Field the day after Thanksgiving. And I saw a contrast in teams on Friday that was mind-boggling, and I wish I could have put – I wish I would have recorded the whole game and put it up and have you see it. It, it was – you had a small, uh, small city, but it was still a Division II team, and they were still highly ranked, second in the state. Young kids, a lot of good, ten, a lot of good players, but not not any really great players. Versus a Detroit Martin Luther King, okay, which was loaded with talent. All right, they got five kids going off to you know. You know, from Penn State, you name it. You know, CMU, they got corners. They got guys with talent beyond belief. So, and it's an all-black school versus an all-white school. And when they first came out and they're doing their warm-ups, I said to my son, I said, you know, this is going to be a blowout. There's just no way in hell Lowell is going to hang with Martin Luther King. You know, other than the crazy athletic ability, Lowell was blowing them out most of the game. But when we got in deep into the third quarter – that talent level overcame coaching, overcame, you know, you, they had a lot of holes over there in Martin Luther King. You know, Detroit Martin Luther King had a lot of lot of, bas- lot of players that couldn't play the game that they had to play to field the team, but they had enough talent to beat. And the coach on the other side, you know, he was, a, he, he was disciplined. He, he did everything right but one thing. And that was he made a wrong call that wasn't in game. Getting back to Mike Stanford, they had a, a, a second down play where there was a holding call, and it was a second down play against Martin Luther King, that would have put them into a third and nine if they declined it. But they took the penalty and put them at a second and nineteen. And I said to my son, they just lost the game. Martin Luther King had brought the game. They were down twenty-seven points. They brought the game down back to within a fourteen-point game, and this was with like five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. I said, they just gave this team an extra down. If if they wouldn't have taken the penalty, which it, normally you would take the penalty. It's automatic you take that penalty. But not, not in this situation because their corners never had those receivers covered. It was just that Martin Luther King's quarterback was horrible. If they had, if they had a typical quality, accurate quarterback, that game was a blowout. But it, it, it got down to you make an in-game decision based on statistics – not on the reality what's in front of you. And the reality was what you needed to do to beat Martin Luther King the rest of that game was to deny them an op- you know, deny them plays. Don't give them extra plays because the more plays you give them, the more chances. Yeah. I don't know. Did you see that? that? They won the game. They got the ball back down by four with, with 36 seconds to go and no timeouts at their own two. 
they had to drive 98 yards in 36 seconds, and they did, and they won it on a 40-yard pass at the corner of the end zone. You know, so yeah, that's great. I know, I've taken you, I've taken you guys somewhere you you, know, you weren't planning on going, but and I'm probably talking too damn much. <laughs> As I always do. I, I want to know. I want to know about your comments that you you made on our page earlier about you know you were talking about Alabama not being a good team and when we put our rankings. Well, no, out, no, 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 no. Alabama is a good team. Don't no, no, no. And understand, you know, I take the internet tongue in cheek. All right, I like to have fun on the internet, but I I do think that listen, you know. It, and it's a and it's a biased perspective on my Sonya was kind of nailing me on this. That's why she got lights from me. It's because she was catching on to what you know. She she was she was getting to both of our biases. And somebody else was. Too. I was. Um, <laughs> hi, <laughs> hi, Sonya. I'll give you a chance to talk here in a second. I want to answer this question, and I want to answer yep. this correctly. When you become a, a when you go from, you know, as, you know I'm, I'm not a young man anymore, okay? So I've kind of, you know, I, I used to be this raving idiot Michigan Wolverine fan. And I'm not a raving idiot Boise State fan. I'm a loyal, diehard Boise State fan. And Boise State, if you're going to be a Boise State fan, one thing you have to do is you have to, because you can't ever lose a game. I mean, last year going to the Fiesta Bowl with two losses, are you kidding me? If, if any teams that should have been advanced to a big game, it should have been the 2010 and the 2011 team, and both of them should have played Bama. And and I'd love to talk to you guys about that matchup, especially that 2010 team versus the Alabama 2010 team. Those were the two best teams in the country, bar none. You know, a, a field goal was called missed when it was actually good simply because the goalposts were too short. And But Boise State fans are not going to go cry about about that, I'm kind of different because I come from a different mentality than than fans of Boise State are. They're really nice, super nice people, and they just take it on the chin and they say, "Okay, we just got to come back next year and win every game," and that's their mentality. But but you also you end up being where you have to watch. You, you can still win every game and end up like in 2009, not making it, or 2008 season they won every game, but what they end up going to the Ponsettable playing TCU. You know what I mean? In TCU, both teams were ranked in the top 20, you know, and both of them were undefeated. And, you know, Coach Pete, the only reason why Kellen Moore ever lost a game was because Coach Pete took the ball out of his hands. Somebody mentioned, oh, they lost to TCU twice in Nevada. That's all he ever lost in his entire career. He lost to TCU twice. Once because twice in the fourth quarter with the lead, Pete took the ball out of his hands and put it into a fifth-year walk-on senior's hands to try to get the game-winning field goal after, you know, the second time, you know, uh, we drive. I just want to ask, how are you answering my question about Alabama with this feel about Boise State? Okay, okay, without talking about Boise State. Well, here's – when I watch Alabama, let me tell you what I see. I see a one-dimensional team with a very good defense. But you know what? They don't have the best defense in college football. It's not even close to the best defense in college football. It's a very good defense with a stud player. It's like Martin Luther King. They have a very bad offense. They have a great running back because he's he was pro-ready two years ago, and he's not going to be any better than he is today, and that's one of the problems that Alabama backs have when they get to the NFL. 
You know, Lacey is yeah. probably about the best back you guys have had come out. But your backs are, you know, that's one of the things. When you're getting all those five stars, there's not much growth room left in those guys by the time you get them. You know, it's a good reason to be a head coach at Alabama, ain't it? <laughs> you know, you're going to get a, guys, a lot of guys ready to start cracking some heads. But it's about the culture, and that's one, one thing Saban does really good at Alabama. You know, I've never been a fan. Of, I've never been a fan of Nick Saban. To be honest with you, I don't. It's not a personal disliking for him. It's it's the it's the fact that he's more of a whiner now that he's where he is and he's won his championships. He can be all hero, but you got to remember, you know, you got to remember his history. When he's at, he left Michigan State for LSU. Why? Because he said he could never get the talent to come to the state of Michigan to compete. Michigan State to compete. Oh, but D'Antonio can, can he? Say he, he, you know, I, I, I just like I thrown Chris Peterson over the over the wall too. You know, I mean, you, you get an opportunity to lay a stake and do something unique and different, and be historic about it, and then you throw it away for an easier road. So, so, so is, I mean, is, I'll, I'll, I'll hats off to Alabama for getting there. What's that? Who's, who's better? Who's better on defense in Alabama in your opinion? Oh, the best defense in this country, not even close, is Michigan State. And the best offensive line in this country today, and I mean right now today, is Michigan State. So what a lot of you folks don't know, if you're not following, Michigan State's been playing without half their team almost the whole year. They didn't get healthy until this week. The first time you saw the the, the 2015 version of Michigan State's off, uh, Michigan State's football team was yesterday. How'd it look? The first time you saw the first, the 2014 version of Michigan State's offensive line was a week ago against against Ohio State, and that's the same thing to be said. Except for they were still missing a corner last, uh, two weeks ago against Ohio State. How'd that work out for Ohio State? You're talking about a team that ran the hell over Alabama last year in the national championship game. <clears throat> Granted, it was a touchdown game in the end, but it was never close. It was never close. Ohio State did what they willed to do against everybody when it comes to the last year. And they were doing the same thing today. They were just being – or this year, they've been lazy about it, just trying to plow power over people. But when when Michigan State walked into the horseshoe and just smacked them down, shut them down, just smacked them down. So, so, uh, so if, if, if Michigan State and Alabama play, just say Michigan State beats Iowa – Alabama beats Florida, and they play in the first round. What do you think the point spread will be in that game? And do you think Michigan State? Three and a half points, Alabama. Three and a half points, Alabama. And you think Michigan State will win? Points for it. It, it, it'll be a good. It'll be a. You know, here's the thing. You can't guarantee any teams ever, ever going to win. Can't. You can't. You just don't. You no. don't know how that ball's going to bounce. Guy could have the flu. There's so many intangibles. That's why we play the game. Um, but, you know, if I was a betting man today and I was going to say, okay, just like last year at this time, going into the Big Ten championship game, when everybody said Ohio State didn't have a chance, you go back to my my fan page, go to the Blue Turf Wall at, at, at on Facebook, and you look at – and I hate Ohio State. You know, I mean, I, 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 you know, the beauty of not liking Michigan is I love to root against them now. <laughs> I do. Uh, I, I love watching them lose. There's nothing that makes me feel better than watching Michigan lose, you know. But I hate Ohio State, and that's because I go to I go into the state of Ohio. I live real close to the state of Ohio, and I just don't like anything to do with the whole damn state of Ohio, including the city of Toledo. It can burn to the ground. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I don't blame you, Dale. <laughs> but at the same point, I could see it. I could see at the end of the season, 
that Ohio State had the most dominant offensive line in running game. It didn't matter. They had great speedy wideouts. And that quarterback, he was just he was just throwing the ball as far as he could. That's all he had to do. But he had they had running game. They had a big power quarterback they could run to. And their defense was playing lights out. And, and you go back and see when everybody else said there's no way they can even get into the championship game. I said not only are they going to get into the, the four-team the four playoff, they're going to win it all. And it's just based on, you know, my personal looking at that team. And, uh, and you oh, know, both teams. Okay, you know, I, other I teams want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. Sure. Okay. What, you know, you know, Saban gets the five stars. The, the, the team I saw last night in person on defense was, you know, they're ferocious. So, so it, I know that Michigan State's not getting that kind of talent. So what is D'Antonio doing different than Saban? So if, if they are the best defense in the country, how is that possible? If Saban's got all five-star Sonya brought that up, too, about, you know, getting those five stars, how important it is. And I, and I was on hold at the time. I laughed and chuckled. And the reason why I laughed and chuckled is this. And Jerry Killer started doing it before Urban Meyer did. Who did? Because <laughs> Jerry Kill began uh, recruiting in the SEC. Jerry Kill was the first Big Ten coach to come down into the SEC and get those two, three, one stars because up there they're four and five stars. It, it's really, it's really a matter of, I mean, evaluating talent and getting the right people in your program. Irving Meyer, you know, you guys should hate Irving Meyer not just because he went to Florida, but because what his Utah team did to you if you're an Alabama fan. And right. and he was so doing. That, where are they now, and where are we? <laughs> Where, where is Utah now? Utah's now in the Pac, Pac, Pac 12 and they're adjusting. The, the thing, yeah, the thing I mean, that makes me laugh. Make... Well, yeah. And this is one year. You know, let's not get too caught up. I remember there was a drought for Alabama. They went years without even having a winning football team. Okay. So, I mean, everybody's going to go through that flow. And that's where fan bases are ruining teams. You know, the, the local Detroit media destroyed Lloyd Carr. Then they proceeded to, to destroy. Uh, RR, they proceeded to prevent Jim Harbaugh and Les Miles from coming to Michigan because you have to know what's going on here. And, you know, you got people with a lot of money, like Ross Business School. This guy donates $500 million to do an expansion at the Bleacher Bowl in Ann Arbor. You know, these guys have pull. We're not going to give you money if you continue with, you know, Lloyd Card was forced out. You know, um, what you guys probably don't know, why Les Miles was never really Les Miles was never a serious uh, um, consideration to be the coach at, at University of Michigan. And Les Miles knew that, too, by the way. You know, you, you don't go screwing Gary Mulder's wife and in Ann Arbor when you're on the same team coaching together and ever get a chance to come back. You see, everybody here in Michigan knows what happened. Les Miles ain't welcomed you. Did you know about that? So, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Les Miles screwed somebody's wife. Les Miles used to coach at was coach with with uh, Gary Moeller under Bull Schembecker. Les Miles and Gary Moeller got in a fist fight in downtown <laughs> in Ann Arbor at a restaurant while dancing with Moeller's wife on the floor. Okay, that that's you know just so you understand. There's now Harbaugh. Lloyd Carr couldn't stand Jim Harbaugh because he always felt Jim Harbaugh was looking over his shoulder. 
And I, you know, again, if you could go back and read my post going all the way back to 2006 and 2007, I was a Jim Harbaugh guy. It's too late for Jim. Jimmy, Jim's, Jim's now stuck between a rock and a hard spot. He's got, he's got D'Antonio, who now owns. He just, he just, he's just, he's solid. There's, he's going to out recruit Harbaugh every year. He destroyed Harbaugh last year. Now you got Urban Meyer too. It's done. The, Jim's going to do about the best he can do until D'Antonio retires, and D'Antonio ain't leaving, and Meyer ain't leaving, and Meyer's young. So Harbaugh's going to hit the joint. No, no, Meyer will take a heart attack before law won't be <laughs> That was my heart attack. That was indigestion. He's going to spend time with his family, and, you know, he's going to my, – my granddaughter's going to be – anybody think about Urban? <laughs> Well, no, I don't worry about Urban because Urban's got it. You know what? Urban knows what he's doing this time. He's got a plan. He works the schedule. He has an agreement with his yeah, family. He's sticking to it. As a business owner, that you know, this is football season's like I have to go into double time during football season. As somebody that's grown a business, and I work, I work some days. I work twenty four hour days. I really, really do. And I and there's there's many weeks I go I go I work seven days. Actually, fourteen. 21 days straight, especially during football season, because I want that Saturday. I want my time to go watch my Boise State, and I want my time to watch. I will, I love college football. I watch as much college football as I possibly can. Last night I was watching four games all at the same time, sitting in my office at my house. So you know, so I understand when you're when you're and he's, that's college coach. You're running a major organization. You're pulling a lot of you're pulling a lot of levers, and you're working a lot of hours. And it can be, and it is detrimental to the family. But you have to balance that. And I think Urban Meyer is going to be fine. I've I've watched him since he's, you know, especially this last year. And I think he's, I think his his wife is fine. I think his kids is fine. I think his health is fine. I think uh, he he didn't want to be in Florida. I don't think he actually liked being in Florida. To be honest with you, I'll leave it at that. Didn't like winning national championships. <laughs> it's not about that. Uh, you know, who knew this whole time? Who knew this whole time that Chris Peterson? Oh wait a minute! Hold on now. Wait, 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 wait. First of all, just so you know, and and I'm I'm very happy to hear that your daughter's name's Anya. That's that's really cool. My husband Jason is a Big Ten guy. He's from Minnesota. He grew up watching the Big okay. Ten, but he also grew up watching SEC. He's been here for a while. I grew up watching SEC. Was a Bama ball girl. All of that. So we've got both of those conferences covered on this side. <laughs> like our resident Big Ten expert here. But everything is true. But wait, hold on, because you've been talking a lot. Listen, it's my turn. We've been sitting here listening to you. So give me, a, give me, a, give me a second, okay? Everything that you're saying, great. Your opinion, no problem with that. But in the end, even though we have opinions on who is the best, who is the best this, who is the best defense, who's the best whatever, everything that those guys are playing playing for, they're playing to be number one. So yes. That does matter. They're not playing to say, oh, well, guess what? We won 10 games this season. Everybody get together and, and, and kumbaya and let's all be hugged and let's do all that. No. We already saw uh, if that was the case, Rick would not be fired. He would still be at UGA. Teams, especially with this college football playoff, teams are stepping up. They want to win. Some want to win at all costs and some are making some mistakes. That's, that's on them. But to say that that's not what they're playing for, I I would have to disagree strongly. I, I I think Sonia, I think you misinterpreted what I was really saying. Is and that he wasn't happy being in Florida. That was a. I'll give you an example. You know. No 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 in, no examples. 
No example. No. All right. No, we no example. Hey, hey, Dale, I, I Dale, just think it's... Dale, Dale, we got time. Dale, we we got to move it up. We do. We're question. on time limit. I've got a, can't do that uh, I've got a question, Dale. You know, you said Michigan State was the best defense, better than Alabama, but I'm just looking through the scores. They gave up 24 to Western Michigan, 28 to Oregon, 21 to Air Force, 21 to Purdue, 24 to Rutgers, 23 to Michigan, 26 to Indiana, 39 to Nebraska. I just don't see yeah, that. Think, how, look at how, that schedule. That's a that. hell of a schedule. You know, Western Michigan uh, beat Toledo. And I know uh, you think like, Toledo I mean, is a joke, but I don't see I don't see any SEC teams running up there to schedule Toledo. The last one that did no, was Missouri. Wait a minute. Hold on. No, but all, Wisconsin all, all, was in line of No, no. No, like I said, you've been talking, sweetie. So let us have a chance to kind of you got some it. of that. Yeah, I mean, look, look you, know, you know, Bama, Bama has, you know, the last two months have really, they've really just shut down people. And, like, when you get to the months of October, months of October, November, that's when it's real big boy football in the SEC. I mean, they have really just destroyed people defensively. And that's, I mean, I know we can say it's a good team for the conference they're in, but. I saw that 2010 Bama-Michigan State game when, you know, when Bama got healthy after that SEC season and had them about 56 to nothing at the three quarters. D'Antonio was tapping out, uh, Dale. He was tapping out. So I think that would be kind of the same kind of game you'd see this year. Alabama's just a machine with those five-star athletes. And it does matter how many stars they have. When you've got a collective unit of – four and five stars. Yeah, you develop people too, but damn, Alabama's good, Dale. I don't think you're giving them the props. You have three, you have three t- t- uh, first through third round draft pick linebackers that have been playing together for five years that all haven't been playing. When you started naming off those games, you know, I, I look here and you, you're talking about Bama's end of season schedule and I, and I see this Charleston Southern in there, and I kind of question you on the strength of that end of year schedule. And when you when you when you look at when you when you started naming, let's let's talk about Western Michigan. You know, one of the most powerful offenses in the country, live right here in the state, and they know they know Michigan State. They play them almost every other year, if not every year. In addition, in addition to that. Michigan State was missing five starters on their defensive when they played well, Western everybody, Michigan. Everybody, Western man, Michigan everybody played. Yeah, I know. What I'm saying is, <laughs> come on, dude. Hey, the best team. Listen, the best team today right now in the Mountain West is New Mexico. Where are they going? Do do we really want to go? You really really want to go? Where you want to go? With me against these schedules, because, sweetie, I got them all up. I do this for a living. I, I, mean, I got them all up, too, and I'm so looking at it. Tennessee, Tennessee, Michigan State's the best defense in the country, and it's not even close. Well, 
You know, I've watched football too a long time, and and I've never played college football like you have. But I, but I, I feel like I know what I'm doing. I watched that Alabama defense, and it's like close thing to the NFL defense you'll see. And I know Michigan State's a real good defense, but when I look at some of those numbers they put up, I gave up against some shitty teams. I just wondered how good they what? could be. Oregon's you know? a shitty team. Well, hold up, because you've been no, talking. No, no, no stop. You don't I have to question. Uh-huh. I have to question. You have been talking. Stop. Stop talking. Close your mouth right now. Say what you got to say. Bama's D is deep. Deep. They got five stars behind those five stars. Michigan State doesn't have that. I've watched them. There's no depth I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. You won't even get 125 yards rushing if you end up playing State. Whatever, dude. Whatever. Okay, okay. You think you've got a better rush now. offense and offensive line than Ohio State does? Go, Boise State! Yeah. What are you going to do in Iowa? Yeah. Fucking New Mexico, hey, I'll be honest with you. And, you know, I try to be fair and balanced here. In my opinion, the best team in the Mountain West is New Mexico. Playing, I'm, I look at teams at how they're playing at the end of the year. I'm looking at where are they? These are kids. They're being developed through the year. And right now, i got to tell you, the last team I'd want to play – in, in, against anybody, I don't care who it is, Michigan State included, they're hitting. If you haven't watched these guys play, you want to see some hard hitting, you want to see some guys flying around, making some hits, man, who is it? watch that New Mexico State it? team. New Mexico State. We, we will. Bob Davies team. New Mexico State. Well, well Dale, Dale, I appreciate you joining us, man. We're about out of time, so we're going to wrap you. up the show. But, but, but Dale, we love you, man. You can call in any time, but we got to get you a little more short-winded and and to the point, but the, the, the here, Jonathan, you haven't said anything. When you look at and and I, I don't like Bama. I'm against Bama too. Don't get me wrong, uh, Jonathan. Bama, Michigan State defense side by side. Really, I mean, is there a question, honestly, or am I missing something, or or what? Nah, Michigan State's got a good defense. Don't you know? Let's let's not say that they're yeah, off. They do. They they have a good defense. Um. And I will say, though, I, I do think Alabama's defense is more talented. The reason why D'Antonio, his recruiting classes aren't up there is he recruits more of a system fit, just like Chip Kelly did at Oregon. Um, and the problem with that is you don't always have the depth. And I think Alabama has more depth than the exactly. And I think up front, front seven-wise, I think Alabama is, is definitely has a tougher front seven than Michigan State. So I would give the edge to Alabama as far as having a, a tougher defense than Michigan State. But they're two very quality, very, very high-quality defenses. They are. But, I mean, to say it's not even close or not even on the same level, I mean, I've, I've watched Michigan State get – Skull drug by some of these. Well, I mean, I know you say Western Michigan. I don't care who you are. They're not a good team. Jason, am I, am I missing something here? I mean, I know I've watched Michigan State play, and they've given up a ton of points. They played Ohio State, and they shut them down. I'll give them props for that. But the okay. defense well, I saw last night, say, the speed of Alabama is unbelievable. All I'm going to say, Tarvin, is, God, I hate Iowa. I really do. They're probably – Second to Wisconsin for me. But here's the deal. Iowa's a decent team. And everyone everyone is saying, I think everyone is thinking, I don't think they've said it yet, but when it gets closer to Saturday, the Michigan State's is going to blow Iowa out. <clears throat> but I actually think it's going to be a close game, and it'll probably come down to a field goal. 
And what happens if Iowa wins? <laughs> they're in the playoff. Because they're, they're because playoff. Iowa doesn't stack up good against anyone in the top four or the top three. So I'm going to tell okay. you, Jason, the only the only team that doesn't get embarrassed in the Big Ten in the playoff is probably Ohio State. I hate to say that. Yeah, and they're done. They're done. They, they were done yeah. when Penn State lost. They are done. You know, so it it it's over for them. <laughs> so, it's talent. It's talent. Nebraska going to beat Iowa, at... though, right? Nebraska going to beat Iowa, though, right? Who? I mean, come on, y'all. Y'all were giving me crap about that. Nebraska going to beat Iowa, though, right? I mean, come on. Iowa's a decent football team, and I think, Jason, I think you're 100% right. I do believe I that. Said, Jonathan, here's what you got to remember about me. I'm going to say Iowa's going to lose every freaking game because I hate them. <laughs> so I will pull from the Jason, Jason, you can't Iowa. do that, man. You can't do that. No, I, you can't no, do that. People gamble on football. You got to listen to your comments. You can't just do that. Just, just like, just like Jonathan roots for every team that plays Florida exactly. and hopes they kick Florida's butt. I'm the same way. I was in that that league with me. It, that's all. That's all I'm saying. Uh, At least you're hey honest. Guys, I'm sorry. That. I've neglected. I've neglected Quinn. Quinn, welcome to the show, man. B, I want you to be short-winded though. Oh, what's up? Oh, I did. I just been wanting to get in, but since you guys are talking about Iowa, man, I wish Notre Dame could have played Iowa instead of Stanford. Here we go. Oh, Notre Dame sucks, Quinn. Get over it. Okay. I'm joking with you. Man. I'm joking with you. I know. Man. I'm just playing. I know. I'm playing. Real? Like, hey, that was a good game. That was a good game. We done went from Boise State, everything that happened in Florida to, to what's his name, and now we back on. No, so, man, come on. Hey, yeah, I got, yeah, I got, I got a good little inside bit for all y'all, though. <laughs> Georgia allegedly, now that this is just, you know, some, some dust that's kicking around, but allegedly Georgia has agreed in principle to hire Houston head coach Tom Herman as their next head coach. That's a great okay. hire. I saw that, I mean, wow. What about I agree. What a phenomenal hire. That's a great hire. That's a great hire right there. If they get him, that's a that's the best coach possible that I could think of right now to fit what they're wanting to do. The guy's a stud. Urban, Urban Myers hid behind offensive coordinators his entire career. And it's taking the credit for it. Herman was the reason Ohio State was so good last year. Dan Mullen yeah. was the reason. I mean, exactly. Dan Mullen at Florida and, and Herman. But here's the deal. Is Herman another Dan Mullen? You won't know. You know. One thing about Georgia, the that's one thing they need to focus on is that offense. And if that's what he needs. They need, they need somebody that can come up, build that offense, develop that, and make Georgia a more balanced team. There's no reason, and this kind of goes back to what what uh, the boy uh, Gary, I think that's his name, was saying, as far as Dale, having, Dale. having one 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 dimension. No, George, all Georgia had was Gurley at one point. Then it was Chubb. Okay, Bama's got Henry Drake behind him. Is Scarborough? I mean, we got some depth there. But that's the problem as far as Georgia. Georgia does not develop that. That's, that's been Rick's thing. He develops them into great men, but not to great athletes. That's somebody else. So if, if Georgia's looking at bringing him in, it's fine. Worse for me. It ain't got nothing to do with me or Bama. 
And, oh, and yeah, the thing I is, Georgia to... is going to be Georgia. Georgia is going to be Georgia. I don't care who they bring yep. in there. Georgia's always going to choke. I don't exactly. care who they bring in. Oh, yeah. The... I, also, I also wanted to say about uh, Fuente going to Virginia Tech, and I thought that was a good hire by Virginia Tech. <laughs> Great hire. We'll see. Another but, great hire. Yeah. It was. Yeah. But Virginia Tech's always going to be a 6-16, six and 16, guys. They're always going to be that. I don't know. That's 7-5, 6-16. Yeah. Five, six and 16. yeah. <laughs> they are. They, they are. I'm, I'm going to be it's real tonight with these. Yeah, they are. Real. I don't, <laughs> Virginia Tech's a seven-win team at best every year. They got, he hit light in the bottle when they got Michael Dick and and they made a run. Beamer made a name. But really, how good is Beamer, really? Let's, let's just be honest. Beamer, you know, he's a dirty coach. He's a dirty-ass I, I, coach. I think they. I think there was a point where they had a – Jonathan would probably know, but I think they had a point of where they had a big streak going of nine to ten wins a year for a while up until yeah, a couple years ago. Of, Could you quote me on that, Jonathan? Was playing in a weak well, ass conference. I mean, from 2004 <laughs> to 2011, as members of the ACC, Virginia Tech won double digit games every year. And those were the years yeah. when it was Tech and Boston College went back and forth. When Boston College had Matt Ryan, those were involved there. I mean, and Beamer did a good job in the Big East. Um, he had double digit wins, you know, as far as you know. 95-96, back-to-back 10-win years, 99-2000, back-to-back 11-win years. I mean, I think Beaver did a good job with Gene Tech, but I think Tar was right. Yeah. Ever since 2011, it's just been this team split, and people want to blame the offense all the time. And, and, and this is going back to what Sonia said a lot earlier in the program, which was teams hire these offensive coordinators hoping that they know what they're doing. They're hoping mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. And Tech did that in sales. We've seen Miami do it in sales. Florida's done it in sales. LSU, they're hoping they know what they're doing. They're hiring ex-NFL offensive coordinators and NFL position coaches. But at the end of the day, that's not the right guy to hire. No. You know what? Yeah. Blacksburg, Blacksburg, Virginia, how in the hell are you going to get anybody to come there? I mean, what, what are you going to do should... with Blacksburg? Florida should go hire me. I could probably make their offense work better know. than it is right now. Hold on. Hold on, guys. We got big. We got Big E on the line. Big E, welcome, buddy. We got about What's ten up? minutes left. What's going on? Not much. I just called in to see what y'all was talking about. We're talking about football, dumbass. What do you think we're talking about? <laughs> well, I mean, Big E, you just missed it. We had a guy on here telling us that Michigan State's defense was head over heels better than Alabama's and that Michigan State yeah. has the toughest schedule in college football. I mean, I can't believe you missed that. That was perfect for you. I missed it. Yeah, but I you was, it made me cuss. <laughs> I, I was, uh, I was yeah. trying to get Weed Eater ready for Tarvin to take a shave with. Uh, <laughs> I know, I'm a... <laughs> uh, but did y'all have him drug tested when he said that? He's no, from Michigan. I, mean, I, I, could, I mean, we all know he's hopped Yeah, to say something like I, that, you I have asked, to be. I asked him about that 2010 Michigan State-Alabama game. I never heard a response. Did you, Sonia? I did. I, he responded to everything but that, but I can tell you what he was doing when he was in high school and when he was living in 
where was it? Texas, Florida, and the peninsula, and all the other places. I, we didn't ask you all that. Answer the question. <laughs> yeah, they were they were busy getting that ass whipped. <laughs> Saban had to call yeah. off the offense to keep them from scoring eighty on them. <laughs> no, it's just funny how people's perception is. You know, of course they look they look down at the south and they think that that football is really a joke, but it's it's really not. Everett, you were at the game last night. I mean, your first college football game, Iron Bowl. What'd you think of Jordan Air Stadium? What'd you think of everything? Since we're talking about rivalry week. Oh, I mean, I, I liked it. I mean, you, you, I done told you the story because we talked earlier today. I mean, I had a great experience. Me and my son had a great time. We had good food. Uh, campus is beautiful. I've been to the campus before. I've never been in the stadium. The The soundboard is huge. The Jets, the flyover was cool as hell. Uh, Tyler got a real big How about, big how about the Eagles? <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen the Eagles Eagle before. I mean, we've seen the Eagle before. I mean, that's not the first time. I mean, we've been to Jordan Hare. We were there uh, Tyler's senior year. We went down for a senior football trip, and we'd seen the Eagle before. That was the first time we'd been there since the soundboard's been there, though. But, of course, I told you, yeah. you know, we had the one, the one jerk that I was about ready to plant. But, uh, you know, everything else was great. You know, I mean, and Auburn played hard, man. They played harder than I expected them to on defense. That, uh, but, uh yeah, I mean it was it was a great day. Uh, we had, I, I hadn't been home long though. I had to stay in Tuscaloosa. I was three wrecks coming out of Auburn, and then I got on. Well, Everett, Everett, Everett what 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 do you think about Mark Rick getting fired? I know you're a Georgia guy. You like kind of you like Georgia football. You like what they do. What do you think? Well, you know what I've always said in the past, Tarvin. Be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. I mean, we can look back to Tennessee firing a coach that I mean I wasn't fond of former, you know, and I said it at the time. I never liked former. I didn't like the way he got his job, uh, but he did win a national championship, and he had one bad season, and Tennessee decided to get rid of him. And then look where Tennessee's been since. And uh, I think you're messing up firing a coach that wins 10 wins a game in the SEC. I mean, there's only going to be one team every year that wins it. You can't win the SEC, especially if you're in the West, which makes LSU's situation even more quirky than Georgia's. But, uh you know, you, you're never gonna you're never gonna win. You know, you're not gonna win the SEC every year, and you got a coach that's winning and successful and bringing in good recruiting classes. Uh, eventually, the time will come where they would have a chance to win that national championship. But I, I just I don't agree with it. I think we're putting we're put, we're paying coaches too much yep. and expecting too much at the same time because we're paying them that much. But you, at the end, you're really dealing with a bunch of 18 to 20 year olds who are going you know, make mistakes and, and not do everything right and not do everything they're supposed to. And a coach can't be holding the hand of a player, you know, 24 hours a day. And, you know, they're going to make mistakes and they're not going to win every game and they're going to fumble and they're going to get in trouble. And, I mean, it's, you know, we're putting too much responsibility on uh, a coaching staff of 10, 12, 14 guys and uh, expecting them to do make miracles, so, you know, well, well, whatever recruiting to me is the the most. I mean, development, of course, and that's something we can talk about on another show. But when you can consistently recruit, you look at the last, just say, fifteen years of national championships. It's one thing in common with them. You look at Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Florida State, Florida. All these teams that have won national championships have had good recruiting classes. The years building up to it consistently, not just 
once once in a blue moon, but it's consistent. People that don't think recruiting is important, it's stupid. At least Lamar Riggs, he's going to get a top ten five class, and he's going to have a, a shot if he gets the right quarterback, the right situation. He's playing for a national championship. Without those kind of talented players, now guess what? All those like Sonya and Jonathan and everybody talked about it. The other teams are going to pick off these recruits and take them away. But well, Tom Herman, the coaches that they're naming to be the next coach of Georgia. What do you think about him? I mean, would you fire Mark Rick to get Herman? I, w- I wouldn't because, you know, what I mean, what is Houston? I mean, he's been there one year. Now, he's a great offensive coordinator, but then you're talking about coordinators. And you don't know how they're going to be. It's a, it's a different job. I mean, Muschamp's a great defensive coordinator, but it's a different job being the head coach. So you don't really know what you're going to get. Now, I will say this. I think I think LSU went about it all wrong, but they did the right thing by keeping Miles because you know how Alabama goes into Louisiana and gets those players anyway, and that would have decimated their recruiting class. And also, Georgia yeah. had I don't I don't know exactly where the kid was ranked, but he was the he was like one of the number one of the top quarterbacks in the country, and he had already said that if Rick left, if Rick wasn't there, he wasn't coming. So you're, yeah. you're already he's the number one quarterback. Yeah, I, I didn't know what his rank was. I didn't know if it was one, two, three, whatever. But and I didn't know if he was a dual threat or you know a traditional drop back or whatever. But I, I know he had already said that if Rick wasn't there, he wasn't going to be there. So you know you've already hurt their recruiting class for next year. And obviously, by looking at the quarterbacks that were on the roster this year at Georgia, they don't really have one. So you know, even if you bring well, Tom Herman in, what's he going to do? Make wine out of water? I mean. You, you know, <laughs> who knows, man? But, but I want to I want to ask Sonya something right here. Sonya, you know, mm-hmm. Auburn. You see their quarterback situation. They they're bringing in that JUCO kid. The, let me tell you, a backup. He's a backup quarterback, I think, in the JUCO. He he left Florida State because because the uh, the competition was going to be hard. Jeremy Johnson's transferring from Auburn. You mark my words on that, Sonya. What do you think about the quarterback situation at Auburn in the next few years? Dude, I'm, I'm worried about the quarterback situation at Bama. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, I don't know what you guys are going to do, honestly, because you, you've got White, and if he is developed, I mean, we watched this he kid. Sucks. We watched him, and we watched him go through the whole, what was it, the, the what's Trent Dilfer's name? What's that crap? That show. Sucks. Anyway, he won that show. But anyway, bottom line is, yeah, the elite, the, the elite. Elite Eight or whatever, and he's 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 got some talent, but there's something's missing while he's at Auburn because he's not being developed, and he's not he's not the same kid that we saw. So I don't know what's going on there. I think you guys got some issues there that you're going to have to. I don't know if it's Gus or who, but somebody's going to have to step in there because who who's behind him? Who's your backup behind him? Well, that's it. I mean, the guy. Let's see. We have Jeremy Johnson, Sean Watt, and we have Barrett. Uh, What's his name? I'm trying to think. He's a freshman. They're red-shirting. Uh, he's a left-hander. Woody Woody Barrett, I believe his name is. But but let, I won't ask you this, Tanya. Name me a quarterback that Gus Malzahn's developed. What? I can't hear. Some somebody something was going on, and I couldn't hear you, Tarvin. I'm sorry. That's Everett. That's Everett's phone. I muted him for just a second. I said, name okay. me a quarterback that Gus Malzahn's developed in his career. Oh, I can't. I can't. That's that's what I'm saying. There's something going on there because 
just like with Georgia, you know, when I was talking about Gurley and the names that come out of there, there should be somebody coming out of Auburn besides Cam Newton that's making some noise. And since Cam and Cam was back with Chiswick, I, I can't really name any any offensive player that's really done anything hot or gone beyond that. So, well, I'm going to tell, tell you what I have a problem with is Gus is not allowing his quarterback. You know, you can't work with your quarterback as a coach during the off season, really. But he won't—he won't allow him to work with a quarterback guru to kind of help him out a lot. And, and Everett, I'll—I'll I'll talk to you on this one. Gus Malzahn's actually hurting the progress and the development of quarterbacks because he—he's stubborn and won't let anybody else touch his quarterback. I, I just don't understand that. I don't either. I mean, uh, that's got to be one of those God type complex things where he thinks it is. His way is the only way. Uh, and Cam Newton, he didn't develop Cam Newton. Cam Newton was just a freak of nature. And he can make plays when he <laughs> couldn't find something to do, but he can make plays with his legs. And, you know, I mean, he, Sean White, Sean White, on that little note, he, he won't never make it to an SEC season unless y'all put some meat on him. He can't take the beating. And uh, I don't know about the kids, y'all that are coming in from Juco, but yeah, you're right. it's a, it's, to me it's an ego thing. Uh, my way or no way, and nobody else knows more about it than I do, that kind of thinking. And, you know, man, I, I, I coached baseball for 20 years, and, you know, I, I've listened to other people, and sometimes I disagreed with them, but sometimes I said, you know what, you know, that might be a better play in this situation, or we might need to throw this pitch or do that. You're not always going to have all the answers. We're human, you know, so – we're not always going to have all the answers, and, and you know you need to be open-minded enough. That's like Les, you know. Les needs to Les needs to open up his offense a little bit, not you know forty four yards in a cloud of dust every play. You know, open it up a little bit. You know, let your quarterback make some plays. But yeah, I, I think that's a classic case of Malzahn just saying it's it, hey, it's my way or no way, and he won't let go of it. So yeah. and he won't last yeah. he won't last long. At that, at that well, place, I will. I will give Auburn some credit though for this year. And you know, it, Jeremy Johnson was a bust. We know that. And the kid doesn't have. He doesn't have heart. He doesn't have the toughness it takes to be quarterback. But I'm just wondering why Gus Malzahn thought he did. That's number one. But I'm, I'm glad to see the team fought hard. Like you said last night, they did fight. A lot of teams that are talented. That, that have, you know, their expectations are, are a national championship, SEC championship or whatever. As soon as those goals are eliminated and they're no longer in, in reach, they, they usually quit. Like a 2012 Iron Bowl, I knew that was going to be a blowout. But a lot of people thought yesterday was just going to be a blowout like that. But I knew this team, from what I've seen the coaches do, they've developed them to a point where they're still fighting every week, which is a good sign. And that's why Gus Malzahn still has his job. If, if Gus Malzahn laid an egg in, against George and Bama like Chizik did in 2012, you wouldn't see Gus Malzahn either. But but the moral of the story is, Gus, you have one year to to find your next JUCO quarterback. But here's the thing: you need the criminal record. You got to make sure that's checked, and you got to make sure he's been kicked <laughs> off another team. That, that's the key. Th- those two things right there are recipe for a national championship if you're at Auburn right now, Sonia. Criminal record. That's not it. Y'all got some yeah. No, it's not that. I mean, it's just your quarterback. I mean, the, the depth of the team is, is young. No, you that's what I'm saying. Players you, guys, of the NFL. You, guys have, yeah. you guys have depth issues. There's no yeah. – 
there's no development other than on the on right now with Will coming in, except on the def- defensive side on the ball side of the ball. There's no development really going on in the offense. Because I'm serious, nope. looking at Sean White, that's why it's so surprising surprising for us to see it because we watched that entire season, and this kid was dynamite. So I'm like, what happened when he got to Auburn? Did like did he lose his chichamumu or something? I don't know what's going he on. He got down hurt. There. He got he got hurt. But, but he's just not big enough. Like 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 he said, he's not mm-hmm. he's not big enough. He's got heart, but he just doesn't have the body for the heart. You know? If he had, if you put his heart in Jeremy Johnson, then you'd have a a Cam Newton type of player. But but it, it's just not working out. But I'm gonna tell you this: we 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 talked about it, Sonia, and I'm gonna have to mute Everett because his phone's driving me crazy. Um, Everett, Everett, I want you to get that phone out of your butt so we can. We can hear what's going on in here, but but anyway, you know, if you're head coach of Auburn, you're Gus Malzahn last night. You know, you're in a, a six point ball game with Alabama, and you allow your assistant coach to get a 15 yard penalty that could impact the game. It, you never know what it could have done, but but Sonia, that's another problem that that jumped out at me is you allow another coach to think that he can come in and and penalize your team 15 yards. That's a, that's something I looked at and I thought about it. I'm like, damn, I would I would have went off if I'd been the head coach. But why does my champ think he has that authority? I think it's because Will, uh, Will has allowed him, or Gus has allowed him, to have that authority. You know, it's it's kind of hard when you have when you're a head coach and you bring in a former head coach as an assistant. Especially someone with a with the personality and demeanor of Will Mushamp, you're gonna have some bumpy heads. You're, you're gonna have some some heads bumping. And Will is gonna play the game. He's gonna be nice, but he's passionate. He gets into the game. And what a lot of Auburn fans, and it kind of goes back to what we were discussing earlier, a lot of Auburn fans were trying to compare the situation between Nick Saban, you know, talking to the official and stepping out and, and only getting a warning, and Will doing it. And that, what the first thing we have to let them know is Nick Saban's a head coach, though. He's a head coach. That's number one. Number two, he didn't curse at him. Number three, he had a legit complaint because there were 12 men on the field. Now, when you look at Will, okay, first of all, dude, you're not a head coach. You're not at Florida anymore. You're at Auburn and you're a D.C. You don't have that right to, to confront that ref. That's what the head coach does. You go to, to Gus and you tell Gus, look, dude, this blah, 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 him handle it. So him stepping out, and then what really got me, to be very honest, was not the fact that he did it the first time, but when they had to pull him back again, I'm like, dude, you already seriously? Like really? Yeah, that's that's when Muschamp came and pushed him back. Jonathan, yeah, they had to come Jonathan, back him back because he was going to step right back out there. And I'm like, you, you, yeah. if if Auburn, if it was a situation where we were tied, and that situation, you know, pushed it back, and Bama got the field goal, blame it all on him. But it is all on him. You don't do that. You do not do that. You've never seen Kirby Smart go after a referee. You've never seen any of Jimbo Fisher's. You never, uh, I'm trying to think of everybody that's on the phone's team, you know, their assistants. But you, you don't see that happen because those coaches have control. And to me, to be very honest with you, it seems like there is the same thing that was going on with Chiswick and Trooper Taylor, except now it's Will and it's Gus. Now, thank God Will and Gus are on the same road, but there, there's going to be some issues there because the players are going to be looking like, wait a minute, dude, I thought you were the head coach. We see it, so they see it. There's yeah. something going on in Auburn. Something yeah, is going something on. Just, 
it's called it's called you don't have a quarterback and it makes everything it just makes everything look bad. You know, Auburn won you know, one game this year they lost L S U. That was uh, really the only game that they couldn't have won that I think I'll give them that loss for the rest of the game. They were leading or a one possession game for the most part. Jonathan, did you see Muschamp last night? I did, I did witness what Muschamp did, and I will say I understand his why he was frustrated. I did get that. Um, but at the same time, he's got he's to gotta understand, A, you are the assistant coach, and there is a whole vetting process. As far as that goes, you do have to air that grievance to Malzahn before you decide to run out on the field. And it wasn't mm-hmm. like he took two steps out there. I mean, he both got there and, and got to that, you know, got got out to the numbers and started jawing at these officials. And the whole, well, he swore at the ref, well, you know what, big whoop. That wasn't the issue. The issue wasn't that he cussed at him. Cause these, officers, these refs have hurt work. The, the, the issue was that he was even out there to begin with. You know, and... Yep. I agree. I think that that should have been handled better. And I also agree that because he was a head coach, that is a part of his DNA that it's going to be hard for him to dial that back some. But at the same time, I think Gus needed to go ahead and and, and see that and try and corral that situation before it got to where it was. You know, that, that was, that was my other issue with it, you know, was that Gus kind of just, and and for lack of better, you know, usage there, he just kind of let it happen. He waited too late. He waited too late to do it. And I'm a basketball coach, and I always told my assistants and my players, I told them, you know, you do not talk to the officials at all. That's my job. You sit over there and do your job. I had an assistant coach get a technical one time. I kicked his ass off the team. I had a player get a technical. He didn't play the next game. And as a head coach, I'm responsible for the wins, the losses, everything that comes out of that team. Gus Malzahn's responsible for everything. And you allow a coach to get a 15-yard penalty tacked on to another 15-yard penalty to make the lead go from six to nine, that's unacceptable in a game like that. That, to me, is unacceptable. The more I think about it, Muschamp's going to have to have better control of himself to realize that, okay, I'm going to cut this guy out, but I'm not going to cross the line and get my team 15 yards and hurt him. Because there's times right. in any sport you don't, you don't go after the official. And Will Muschamp, it was just bad timing. He's frustrated. I get it. 11 weeks. 12 weeks of frustration. I get it. I get it, Will, but you, you put your team in a bad position. You don't want to give Alabama 30 yards when you, you're actually playing pretty good defense against them. And after that penalty, it's just like I, we couldn't get Henry off the field after that. So I just wanted to, to throw that out there. Alabama beat us last night. Henry just wrapped up the, the uh, Heisman Trophy, and, and Alabama wrapped up the West. What do you think the point spread will be, Jonathan, Florida, and Alabama? I'm going to say 14-and-a-half Alabama. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I mean, knowing what I know about how Vegas sets lines and things of that nature, um, I'm going to agree. I'm going to say that line will probably open at 14-and-a-half, and then they're going to let the public take the action where it's going to go. Uh, I know the Auburn game at one point crested, if I'm not mistaken, about 16. And I would not be surprised to see this Alabama Florida line, if it does open up 14 and a half, which it, it should, uh, get up to about 16 points. Uh, I think the public is going to uh, heavily back Alabama. Um, and I think at the end of the day, what we need to realize is Alabama is a much better football team. And at the end of the day, they know what the spread is. Because you can't tell me 
You cannot tell me Alabama did not know what the spread was when Derrick Henry decided to punch that final touchdown in. Fourth and one, 20-some-odd seconds left, and instead of first down, go ahead and get down, run the clock out. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to take this into the end zone. Yeah, because you covered the spread. Thanks, Derrick. Well, he's actually going yeah, for the no. record, which he actually broke. It wasn't the spread. It was the record, sweetie. That's why they let what him What record run. was that? What record was that? The uh, most rushing yards in Alabama. He beat Mark Ingram. So okay. now he's got the he most. Broke, it was about the record. He broke my spread. I blame Derek. He broke my spread. <laughs> oh, he broke your spread. <laughs> I'm going I'm to give you. I'm going to give you an interesting point spread next week. Uh, Clemson's only a five and a half point favorite over North Carolina, and we got Texas Baylor, which means nothing. The Big 12's eliminated. And I'm going to go ahead and give y'all my predictions for the final four. We're going to have Clemson as the number one seed. No, hold on a minute. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Clemson that gets upset against North Carolina. They lose, right? Alabama beats Florida. They're the number one seed in the final four, which is going to leave Oklahoma the number two. Michigan State's going to beat Iowa to be the number three. And, Sonia, who is going to be the number four if Clemson loses? Is it going to be no. Ohio State? Is it going to be a Stanford if they win the Pac-12 with two losses? Is it, I mean, who's going to do it? The only way Ohio State gets the only way Ohio State gets in is if Clemson, Stanford, and Bama all lose. That's the only way they could possibly get in. We already covered that. They covered that on television five times. We're good. So, so I don't know. So a two-loss Stanford team. So, so a two-loss Stanford team, right? So I'm saying right now I'm saying in is Alabama. Oklahoma, Michigan State, those are the three I'm saying that then. Uh, Clemson mm-hmm. loses, so you're saying a one-loss Ohio State team would not go over a two-loss Pac-12 Stanford team. The only way, they have made this very clear because of Ohio State's record, there is only one way for Ohio State to get into the Final Four. They need Bama, Stanford, and Clemson, Clemson all to lose. That is the only way they can get in because they were beat by Michigan State, Iowa has a better record. So Iowa's got the West. They're going to be playing for the, you know, their championship. So whoever wins that is going to be in. Oh. But, no, Ohio State can't get in unless those teams lose. And I think that has a lot. Alabama is the key there because if Alabama loses, then they're out because Florida ain't climbing back in. So then, because no. if North Carolina upsets Clemson, they'll take their spot in the Final Four. Um, no, as much as some no, people no, like no, to disagree no, no. with that, a 12 and one Hell North Carolina no. team that has been boat racing everybody for the past month and a half, they got would get South in. Carolina. Well, I they get that. Oklahoma lost to Texas. I know, but you're at 14 right now. There's no way you go from 14 to four with one win. There's no way. I'm just saying, right now, no Alabama's way. the key for Ohio State because North Carolina beats Clemson. They'll get that spot. They will get that spot because they're going to look at them just like people, just like they looked at Ohio State at the end of last year and said, holy hell, this team's playing better than any team we've seen right now. Because North Carolina's playing very good football right now. And that, that was a big factor in why Ohio State got in last year. They were playing very good football at the most important time of the year. And I'm just saying yeah. right now, if Clemson loses North Carolina, North Carolina would be the front runner for their spot. Fonda, do you think North Carolina any chance to get in? I just don't see the committee. The committee put North Carolina down at 14, and I'll tell you why. 
they put them down at 14 because of their schedule. They play yeah, they South Carolina, it. North Carolina, A&T, Illinois, Delaware, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, Virginia, Pitt, Duke, Miami, Virginia Tech, NC State. I mean, think about that. North Carolina, AT&T, Delaware, Wake Forest. <laughs> I mean, there's no way in hell they get in this. I don't care if they beat Clemson by 50. They, they yeah, can't North go 10 places. Yeah, Fedora's calling for it, but, I mean, seriously, they already went through all of this, and, and that's why I'm kind of like, I'm not really saying anything because I just wanted to be played out so we know what the deal is. Who's, we, who's we they? Just, who's they? Any team can lose. Who's, any team can lose who, on any given day. We know they, that. Who's you're saying? Who's they you're saying, though? You're saying they say. Who's they? Oh, I'm sorry. ESPN. Go to ESPN.com. Oh. Go to college football. Oh, God if you damn. click on the front page, you will see that they went over yeah. every single playoff scenario. Yeah. So you can break it on down yourself. These guys are down more. ESPN has covered this thoroughly. I wouldn't go to ESPN and listen to any of those idiots talk about a scenario. They obviously know nothing about Football. So when you when you say they, I was wondering who you were talking about. It's, it's, no, they it's, say no. All they're doing is repeat, they they're in. going through the POC rules through through what the POC is saying. That's all because you know they're hand in hand because they display. I mean they they air it every uh, yeah, the, Tuesday. The the, the 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 rules of the POC are why there's no rules. I mean that's the problem I have with the playoff committee. They don't have any damn rules. They just pick they who they want to rules. go in there. They have guidelines, no, but Tarvin. I didn't yeah, write it, so I'm mad at them. Right now, all, all of it is irritating me because everybody swears they know everything and nobody knows nothing. Everybody needs to understand, when, you play, when, you're, when you're a team that's playing a game, I don't care if you're favored or not, you have a 50% chance of winning and you have a 50% chance of losing. None of us knows who's no. going to win or lose. That's why I don't like doing these, like, who do you think? No, I don't know. We need to see. Let's wait and see. I can guess that's, right that's now. That's not true, no, that's not true, Sonia. It's more than 50% chance. It depends on the point spread. That's for you gamblers. That's for you gamblers. No, but ESPN, I, here's the deal. I look at North Carolina real quick. Their resume is not good enough. The Ohio State gets in, and, and I don't agree with – with what ESPN saying that, that Bama, Clemson, all of them have to lose because maybe just two of them have to lose. But I think the committee's looking for a reason to get Ohio State back in there. But, and there could be a good argument that two Big Ten teams deserve to be in the playoff this year. They're the only conference that that'll get two in. So, I mean, we'll, I do know that. But I think it. Well, I think if Clemson loses, though, it opens up the debate with whether you take a Pac-12 champion, two lost Stanford team that lost to Northwestern. And, and they lost, but you take a an Ohio State team that really didn't play a ranked team until they played Michigan State and they lost. So it's just everybody's opinion is different. That's just exactly that's, just what it's, it that's my thing. To. Michigan State. I think Michigan State would get in before Ohio State. Yeah, if they, if they won the conference, they would. Yeah, I mean exactly. So that's why I'm like, we're just you know yeah. we're talking about all this stuff that could happen. Everybody just needs to win out, and that's it. So but I'm just saying, if if somebody stumbles. Who comes in there? That's the, that's the key. And, and somebody's going to stumble Saturday. It's not going to be – everything's not going to happen, I don't think, the way that everybody's predicting. It never does. And that's why I'm saying which number one team – which team has a better chance to lose, in my opinion, is Clemson, Johnson. I mean, I don't know if you think that, but I think North Carolina has a better chance to beat Clemson than the other team. I, I, like, I do agree with that because Chiswick has been on it. <laughs> 
Chizik has been on it. But we'll see. We shall see. Well, on right. December 6th, we'll find right. out. <laughs> all right, fine. Yeah, I appreciate y'all coming. Quinn, you want to talk about Auburn real quick before we go? Oh, I just wanted to say I'm with Jonathan on North Carolina getting that last spot. North Carolina is going to be about eight. It's going to be about eighth this week, and because of everything that happened, eighth, North Carolina is going to be about eighth, and they're going to be Wayne. They're they're going. You're going to see oh, this. No. You're, I I think Stanford wins Pac-12. Ohio Ohio State. Ohio State's going to get left out regardless. And then if North Carolina wins, they're going to get that fourth spot. Put money on it. Put your house on I it. I will. Because that's, because that's what would happen. It's just like Ohio State last year, Brian. Yeah. They were sitting, what, yep. number seven, number yep. eight yeah, last but, year? Yeah, but the difference is, I'm, I'm going to tell you the difference is, Ohio State's got Urban Meyer and a name brand, really. North Carolina, who are the hell are they? I mean, yeah, but, who have they beaten they this value, year? Nobody. But, but the committee said they value they value uh, conference championships. If North if North Carolina goes out there and beats number one Clemson, who has been undefeated, they're gonna they're gonna oh. get in. It's not, not what, enough, it's not like North Carolina has been scraping through the rest of their schedule. It was the first game of the season, and they should have won the game. I mean, I mean, it was the first game I, of the I season. I disagree, and that's fine. Yeah, I disagree with you, man. And I mean, and here's the deal, but but what I went back to, and I mean, I'm not saying I'm right. That's just my opinion. And Sonia gets all bent out of shape over somebody's opinion. I just, I just don't get it. ESPN don't mean shit to me. I'll go ahead and tell you that they mean nothing to my my theories. My my beliefs. I could care less what Joey Galloway says. I don't know more than my left nut. Uh, but, but I look at but I, but I look at their schedule, Jonathan and Quinn, and I just I don't see those wins that really. And I I don't know they're hot right now. They beat Miami fifty nine to twenty one, Duke sixty six to thirty one. But but Jonathan is North Carolina a household name really? Are they going to get the ratings? That's what I want to know. I mean, who's going to get the ratings? I don't want to see Ohio State in there either. I'm not saying that a one-loss Ohio State team deserves to be in it over a one-loss ACC champion North Carolina, but I'm just talking about the perception and the name. I mean, if you have a matchup well, of, of okay, of sure. high, it just, it just, I just, I just say Iowa gets in there. What if we have Iowa North Carolina? I mean, my God, I won't even watch the playoff. Tarvin, okay, I have a question. If you were in the playoff committee and Clemson loses, who would you put in in that fourth spot? Who would I put in? I would yes. probably put in a Stanford. I'd probably put in Stanford or Ohio State. Okay. You know what, though, Brian? And this is why March Madness, the ratings are so great. Everybody loves the Cinderella story. Everybody, you know, we, we do. We have that just innate desire of seeing an underdog come out of nowhere. I mean, how many times have people rooted for Butler and Wichita State in college basketball? So, Iowa, you know, let's just, for grins, Iowa and North Carolina both win. Well, you know, Iowa's in who wants to see? Well, 13 0 Iowa. People are intrigued at this point. Who is this 13 0 Iowa? 
that just won the Big Ten. We don't want to see that. If North Carolina beats Clemson convincingly, I mean, that's the primetime game this, this weekend. That's the 8 o'clock game. So a lot of people don't watch that game. If North Carolina walks Clemson's dog, people are going to see them and go, whoa, who is this team? Why, we, why haven't we heard of them? And obviously the loss of South Carolina looks bad. And playing North Carolina AT and Delaware obviously are a ding on the, on the resume. I, I, I understand that. I agree with that. But people would yeah, be but... intrigued if you matched up North Carolina and Alabama. There would be the intrigue there. People, because there's a large segment of this population that does not like Alabama and a thick scene Alabama there. There's going to be a lot Until of intrigue. Until it's 28 to nothing in the first there. quarter. So I, Until mm, it's 28 to nothing in the first quarter and then everybody turns their TV off. I mean, you know? I'll, well, that's all they need is everybody to be there for the first quarter. That's rating for the game. Here's, a, here's, a, <laughs> here's the early lines right now. Here's the early lines this week. Michigan State, three over Iowa. Uh, Clemson, five and a half over North Carolina. Bama, 17 over Florida. Stanford, four over USC. And those are your your conference championship games right there. So, oh, yeah. real and quick, I, I, like, to say, I like Go ahead. I wanted to say this. The Iowa team reminds me a lot of the two, 2012 Notre Dame team. They scrape by all the regular season teams. Then they get put up against the team with more depth. And, oh, by the way, whoever Iowa faces is going to have a ton of more talent. The talent difference is going to be huge, and they're going to get beat by – at least 21 points. Whoever Iowa faces, if they get past Michigan and the state, whoever Iowa faces, they're going to be get beat by 21 plus points because they because yeah. they have virtually no talent on that team. Yeah, talent matters. I mean, it it really does. When you're playing man on man, it's it's about the it's it's a Jimmy and the Joes, right, John? Oh, yeah, I mean, I, Iowa definitely would be the least talented team in the field, especially considering Iowa, and I don't know how well known this is, but a lot of Iowa's recruits, especially along the lines, offensive and defensive, played eight-man ball in high school. I mean, so you're not talking about guys who were the most polished athletes in the world. They're good players, don't get me wrong. The best thing Iowa has had for them is that they're healthy. I mean, they're, they're an extremely healthy football team. And this was a team that, that obviously whatever they're doing is working. If they can beat Michigan State, power to them. You're going to play Oklahoma next, you know, in the first, in the semifinal. Have fun with that. I mean, you know, that, that's how you look at it. I mean, Iowa, if they beat Oklahoma, everybody's going to take that step and go, all right, what do you really got going on? Do we need to go ahead and drug test? I mean, that's what's going to happen, you know. So that's – Iowa's an interesting case here. Oh, a real interesting case study, and we need to see and figure out what's going on there. And I really want them to beat Michigan State, just so I can see them stack up against another team. I really do. But at the end of the day, yeah. does anybody truly believe Michigan State's going to lose to Iowa? No. No. <laughs> That's what we're but, but, Jonathan, but, Jonathan, do you think in order for Ohio State to get in that all Alabama, Clemson, and Michigan say all those teams have to lose. I mean, really, do you think every team like would have to lose for Ohio State to squeeze their way in there or maybe just two of them? 
I do. I, I agree. I think name brand matters. I will agree with you there. But I do because, if, you know, we're talking about North Carolina, Florida. Remember that, Florida. And, uh, and you know, whoever wins the Big Ten, obviously, because Oklahoma's in at this point, okay? So you'd have Iowa and Oklahoma in. Clemson's out, so you got North Carolina who's on the outside looking in. Bama's out. You lose to Florida. There's no coming back from that. But they're not going to put Florida yeah, you're in. Done. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're not putting Florida in. They're looking at Florida over the past three weeks and said, my God, if they beat Bama, we're screwed. Florida's so, going Florida's to gonna have negative yards against Bama. They're going to have, like, negative 80 yards. That's uh, negative that's 79. Let's be generous. <laughs> but at that point, we can have that discussion with there being Ohio State, Stanford, and North Carolina looking at three of the last five spots. And I still want to know how, if the committee is still treating Notre Dame as poorly as they are. Because if that happens, and let's just say Stanford does lose the USC, then Notre Dame all of a sudden becomes that other team outside looking in. Because, you know, I still think if that scenario, you're still talking about North Carolina getting into the playoffs, but who's your fourth team? Is it Ohio State or is it, or is it Notre Dame? And I think at that point they would side with Ohio State because, you know, yeah. Notre Dame, two losses. I think yeah. that's what we you, Ohio State needs. Because I think the committee really at this point, they don't want to put two teams from the same conference in. They value conference champion very much so. They really do. Yeah. And name brand obviously matters. You're 100% correct on that. But I still think the committee wants to try and make sure that they kind of pander to everybody and make sure everybody's yeah. represented. Yeah. Even though that's what we hope Ohio schedule. State is they dog-walked Michigan, that's what helped Ohio State is they went into the big yeah. house and absolutely demolished Michigan. See, everybody gets a one break. And the thing is, Ohio State didn't win their conference this year like they did last year. But if somebody if, – if Clemson loses, if Clemson loses to North Carolina, Ohio, let's, let's see where the committee has Ohio State tomorrow that's where or tuesday that's what's gonna gonna kind of tell me something but north carolina is going to go from about 14 to to 10 maybe 11 something like that i don't think they'll go up to eight but if clemson loses to north carolina ohio state is going to be in that final four guys it's not going to be it's not going to be north carolina and if it's stanford with two losses i just don't think you can put them in so it would be a so it would be a Ohio State-Alabama rematch. Now that you bring that up, Jonathan, think about it. Now that you bring that up, Tarvin brought that up, I think they might put – I think they maybe would put Ohio State in over over, over um, North Carolina because of that matchup. Because especially if Michigan State beats Iowa, especially if Michigan State beats Iowa, and their only loss was against Michigan State that won the Big Ten. But the thing that's going to hurt Ohio State is Connor Cook didn't even play, right, Jonathan? Yeah, Connor Cook didn't even play that game, and they lost to Michigan State. So that's, I mean, that that's yeah. that's. Bad. I'm just trying to that's think about debate. the dollars and cents. That's really what it's about. The committee dollars and cents. But if it was about dollars and cents, Notre Dame would still be in the running no matter what. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, but you know, but you know what I mean. If if it comes down to to you know, you'll see oh, Ohio there State and North things, Carolina, really. they're going to start with Ohio State because Ohio State's rating is a yeah. guarantee. That's what I'm thinking. I could be wrong though. I could be wrong. No, I mean I'm not saying I'm. I wasn't trying to tell Sonia I was Nostradamus over here and knew everything that was about to happen. But uh, and, and Sonia, it's not a fifty-fifty shot on each game. Auburn had about a a twelve percent chance to win that game last night. It wasn't fifty-fifty. It was twelve. Oh so yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, the, yeah. if you're if you're a forty-point favorite, you got a greater of a fifty percent chance to win or lose. You know what I mean? That's the way it goes. And if you take a gander at it, you really peek at it like that. I mean, Alabama being a 17-point favorite, we're talking about them having about a 75% chance. I mean, that, no, that's what the about a, It's about a 90. It's about a 90%, isn't it? Well, 90s are the ones you get near 24 points. Um, 17 points is more in the ballpark between 70 and 80%. Uh, it's still under 20 yeah. points, so that they'll still give the other team about a quarter. Um, and it's funny because in the NFL, if a team's about an eight-point underdog, you're you got about a twenty percent chance to win that game. Uh, so in college football, so it's a little more varied as far as the percentages go, um, mm. and that, that's actually something that I get because you know of what I do, I do get to peek around and notice those kind of things. Uh, and you'll see different computer simulations will will say the same thing. And you know, just like Florida, Florida State. There's about a 50, 50 to 55% chance, depending on where the line was on who was going to win the game. I think the highest I saw was Florida State had a 58% chance to win. When it all round, we all knew that that percentage should have been bumped up more. You know what I mean? It should have been 100. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, all right, guys, I've got a roll, but uh, we'll be back this week to discuss the conference championships and everything and preview those probably Wednesday night. We'll get off or Thursday, one of the two. I'll let y'all guys know. I love right. it. Sounds good. All right, bud. Y'all take care. All right, y'all too.